Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, I want to begin something with you today that we look forward to every year. Today, for, for just a real short journey, uh, we're going to focus on something that has become part of the DNA of this church family. It's just who we are. It's what we do. It's, it's a journey of faith, of vision. We call it Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders has become one of the most effective and powerful things that God has ever birthed at Calvary. It began eight years ago. And let me just give you a moment of what Kingdom Builders here is. Each year we dedicate about three weeks and we just say during this time, God, we're, we're going to celebrate everything you've been doing through Calvary. These next couple of weeks, you're going to hear some of the greatest stories you've ever heard in your life. You're going to celebrate the outreach of this church family around the globe. And it's just, you're, you're, it's overwhelming. And we want to celebrate that. We begin to do that today. And, and we're, we're going to see everything that God is doing. It's a time for us to kind of revision, revision. This is why we do what we do. This is who we are. We remember everything that God has done. And Lord, we say we want to respond. Kingdom Builders is just part of our our DNA. It's a moment to remember what Jesus did for us. Will you give me two or three minutes to remind you of what he did for you? Will you give me, you know, don't we get too busy sometimes? Don't we just go to church sometimes? Don't we just go through the motions sometimes? Don't we read our Bible and we didn't really read our Bible? Have you ever done that? I'm embarrassed. Some mornings I've been read my Bible and I got through and I couldn't remember what I read. Because I was thinking about everything else I was going to do that day. I was concerned about everything else that was going on. And, and, and have you ever been praying and then right in the middle of the prayer, you're way over here somewhere else thinking, come on, be honest. Anybody, am I the only ADD prayer in the house? Anybody ever done that? You know, you're praying about this, remind you about that, and then you're over here. Well, you know, for a few minutes here, let's back up and think about the day Jesus walked into your life. Anybody here still appreciative of that? Anybody thankful for what Jesus did in your life? I'll never forget it. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the day that Jesus Christ stepped in my life. I'd been a prodigal son running from God. Thank God for praying family. How many of you thankful you have some people praying for you? Oh, man, I couldn't outrun those prayers. And God saved me, radically changed my life. Think about the grace of God. We did not earn our salvation. Jesus paid for it on the cross, and he gave that to us. And so I want you to remember today how good God is. I I don't want you to think too long on where you came from, but aren't you thankful you're not today the person you were when Jesus walked in your life? How many are thankful that your life changed, that your hope changed, that your mind changed, that your reputation changed, that your identity changed, that your hope changed? That's what Jesus does. He's that real if we'll just give him the opportunity. I was out talking to some of the guys putting the building together, uh, and, and uh, one of the guys tells me out here that's our, our new building, and his name's Daniel. He said, and, and he shouldn't have thrown me any bait, you know. He said, my name's Daniel. I said, nice to meet you, Daniel. He said, you know, like Daniel in the lines then. Well, it was on then. I said, let's go, bud. And so I talked to Daniel, and Daniel told me, he said, you know, Pastor, I've been through some hard times. And he said, my father was really overbearing and abusive. And he said, for years, I was angry at God. And he said, then I began to realize, you know, I'm missing something. And he said, my wife is a strong believer. And she began to tell me, what about all those car wrecks you had? 
What about all those moments you were out drinking? What about all those moments God spared your life? And he said, I began to realize that even though my earthly father failed me, my heavenly father was for me. And he said, my life's been changed. That's, that's what God has done for us. And if Jesus never did anything else for us, come on, but the cross, that's enough for me. Anybody else? I've been convinced. I'm not trying to believe. I believe. I'm not hoping. I'm knowing. He did enough for me on the cross. But you see, when you really understand that, that's not, we can't stop there because there are people who don't know what you know today. There are people who haven't met this Jesus that you've met. And we can't keep that to ourselves. He's far too good and gracious. Anybody in agreement with me today? He's far too wonderful. Look at Matthew 28 and verse 18. I'm still amazed. Matthew 28 and verse 18 that God trusted us with the greatest message on the planet. There's no speech given by a politician. There's no uh, soliloquy given by an actor. There's no oratory given by some, some preacher that could ever meet the point to say that Jesus gave us the privilege of telling people who he is, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's stunning. Look at it in Matthew 28. If you ever wonder, what am I on this planet to do? Well, you need to read this. Matthew 28 and verse 18. <clears throat> then Jesus came to them and said, I love this. This is following the cross. This following the resurrection. Satan has been defeated at this point. Come on, can you say amen? And the authority he stole from Adam has been restored. And we too, not to God. He never lost his, but he's going to invest it in the church. Yeah. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, what do we do because of that? Therefore, he says, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I love this statement. Where do you know you're walking with Jesus? And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you want to know you're in the presence of God, you need to tell somebody who Jesus is. He says, I'll walk with you every step of the way. If you ever feel like God's not with you, start telling someone about him, and you're going to realize I'm with you to the very end of the age. It's the goodness of God. That's our assignment. I'm still marveling at that. We didn't deserve that. Can you say amen? We didn't earn that. But by the grace of God, he said, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to use you to tell this world how good I am. That's what we're empowered to do. Look at Acts chapter 1. In verse 8, Jesus said, not only do I give you that incredible privilege, Acts 1.8, he said, I'm going to empower you to do this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Let's look at this. You know these verses, but let's put them in context. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power. I'm so thankful God never asked us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. Do you know why some Christians have never encountered the power of God? Because they've never obeyed God. I want to say that again. Do you know when you start obeying God, you'll start encountering God. When you start fulfilling your assignment, you'll start sensing God walking with you. When you start being a witness, you'll start sensing the power of God. Have you ever noticed that you never get any stronger thinking about going to the gym? Have you ever noticed that everybody that bought a membership in January and hasn't used it is in the same shape they were in December? 
Have you ever noticed that Christians who sit on a couch and say what they're going to do for Jesus never get anointed by the Holy Spirit? But have you ever noticed when you just get up off your blessed assurance and say, God, I'm going to do something here for your glory, God will anoint you to do that. He said, I'm going to empower you, not to watch, to listen. to." What does he say? Let's look at this again. In in verse number 8, Acts number, verse 8 of Acts 1. Let's look at this thing again. He says, but you will receive power when? When do I receive power? When? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then what happens? He says, and you will be. When, When the Holy Spirit comes on his church, we become what he called us to be. You don't earn it. Is everybody listening to me? It's not a class. It's not an earning. It's, it's, it's not a trying. It is a becoming. When the Holy Spirit rests on you and me, no matter how far we've come from, no matter how sinful we had been, no matter how weak we may feel, when the Holy Spirit comes, I've got good news for you. You will be. It, you, at that moment, you will be, <clears throat> pardon me, his witnesses. And, and, and he was speaking to them in Jerusalem. So he says, Where does this happen? How does it work? He says it begins right there in Jerusalem, but it doesn't stop. He says it goes in Judea and Samaria. And and, and in our context here, it goes into Alabama. It goes in the southeast region of this country. It goes around this nation. And he says where? To the very ends of the earth. And so kingdom builders is how we do what Jesus told us to do. It's how we express who he is. And this is what I love about this. Walk with me through this. I won't go through this whole thing. And we get to get into stories and and testimonies. But watch this. You see, we have been developing over these eight years and maturing and our understanding of how to get the gospel to people. We've been understanding how to become the feet and the hands of Jesus and the heart of Jesus. Not just the theory. Not just the Sunday, you know, uh, pep squad. But how we literally become his hands and feet and his heart. And people encounter him through our lives. We, we've been uh, learning how to reach more people more quickly. And isn't that, isn't that the goal? Don't you sense with me like we're rushing towards something on this earth right now. Hell has never been so active. But I'm going to tell you, heaven has never been more active either. It's like we're rushing to this grand conclusion. I believe it's the return of Jesus Christ. And so we're trying to reach as many people with the gospel as quickly as we can. This has helped us to be proactive, not reactive. We used to do some great things in there. We'd hear about a hurricane. We'd hear about a tornado. We would hear about a natural disaster. Then we'd wait. We'd come back, take an offering. Then we'd find somebody to go do it. Now we have these partners around the world. And we're giving regularly and helping them. And when it happens, boom, they're there. When it happens, God's already moving. We're not reactive. We're proactive in what we're doing. And, and so what happens, we're, we're learning. This is what Kingdom Builders does. It allows us to take a couple of weeks and begin to grow in our faith and grow in our prayer life and grow in our hearing where we're simply saying, God, how do you want to use me? What's my part in the Great Commission? How do you want to use my life? Wherever I am, whatever's going on in this season. And, and so what happens, we've begun to see what we can accomplish together. I want you to get this. This is what God has done through this church. Seven years ago, we started this. This would be year, year eight. In seven years, this church has put $1.5 million into reaching people around the world. Come on, let's thank God for that. That's stunning. That's stunning. $1.5 million. Can you imagine what that looks like? In heaven, 
It's amazing. You're going to hear the stories and, and, and see some of these things. Uh, it, it, it's just been astonishing. But what I love about kingdom builders, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal obedience. Everybody has a place at the table. Everybody gets to hear. Everybody gets to participate. And the, and the, and the little grandma on fixed income that does her $10 and the person that does their $100,000, it's all equal. It's not what you gave and what I gave. It's did I say yes to what God said to me. And it brings this unity on us. It's, it, it gives us an identity. We're making a difference. We're living for a cause. We're, we're, we're working. And so God creates this revenue stream through our obedience to keep funding these miracles that we see. And again, just quickly, what are you like, what, Pastor? Like here locally, the Decatur Dream Center. The Decatur Dream Center has been a lighthouse in the community for years. It's been a place where families are fed and, and where hope is found and children have been taught and clothing. And, and, and I'll never forget, I've shared this before. One day there was Pastor Emilio leading our Dream Center. I was walking through and a little lady tugged on my sleeve and she said, Pastor Sawyer, I want to thank you. She said, Calvary Assembly has fed two generations of my family at times where we didn't know what we could do. I want to thank you guys for doing what you do. I was at a funeral this Wednesday for Brenda Poss's mother, sweet mom, 94 years she lived on this earth. And while I was there, before I went in, a lady came up to me and she said, Pastor Sawyer, I'm one of the victory stories. I said, well, tell me. She said, my name's Donna. I graduated from the women's recovery ministry. I've been clean and loving God and serving God. And, and, and her mother, her mother uh, was standing there. I knew it was her mom. This lady was beaming. I said, are you her mother? She said, yes, I am. She said, she began to weep. She said, Pastor, it's changed our whole family. Our lives are forever changed. How? Because of dream centers. Because How do you have a dream center? It doesn't pop up. How do, we, how do those women live for, th- for 12 months with us? And, 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 and they're housed and they're transported and they meet Jesus and it changes. It's kingdom builders that does that locally. Serve the city, helping our elderly. We've painted schools. We've, we've washed schools. We've bought computers. we worked in our local schools. We have our dream centers here in Lawrence County. We have Jesus and his friends every, every Christmas. We've fed thousands of people and thousands of children. One, one um, Jesus and his friends, a young lady was here with one of the local television stations to film that. It's, people are amazed at Jesus and his friends. And she said, Pastor, could I talk to you for a moment to the side? And I said, sure. She said, Pastor, when I was a child, my, my father left us, and we were so destitute. We had nothing. My mother had to give me to my grandmother. And it was going to be the worst Christmas I'd ever had in my life. And my grandmother heard about Jesus and his friends, and she came. And the only gift I got that day was the gift you guys gave me. That was my only Christmas gift. And she said it kept hope alive in my heart. And she said, here I am today. I'm a videographer, and I've made something out of my life. But it turned on that day when somebody loved a little girl and did something. That's what we do. That's Why do we take some time to talk about this? So we don't miss the little girls, and we don't miss the drug addicts. We don't miss the people that are struggling and our senior citizens and how we help. Globally, we've built places, schools in, in, in Mexico, schools now under construction in the Dominican Republic. We built churches. We've helped partner build homes for, for uh, sex trafficking victims and orphans. We're working now helping with the Bible college to send the gospel across Europe where they're, they're pushing the gospel out. Convoy of Hope, Feeding, and Disaster Relief, Prayer Task Force. Our ladies have gone in places where there was not a church, and they said, pray with us. And a year later, 
where a church has started there. It's, it's stunning what God has done. It's amazing. The missionaries that we support, the Project Rescue, and this year we get to add something local. We've given, 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 and we're going to do that. But right here behind us, we have this bridge building coming up because we've just run out of room. Our next step in our master plan is the building that will sit to the left uh, for I'm standing your right. We call it our next-gen building. It'll be house of our children's ministries, our growing student ministries. It'll be a state-of-the-art daycare, but you know what's happened to building costs around here. Our contractors told me this week in Huntsville, they announced commercial buildings going over 300 a square foot. This building back here, you want to know what God's doing a miracle? We're going to build this for $71 a square foot because of our guys working and what they're doing. Just amazing, miraculous. And, and so we're, we're needing to get in that building. We're going to get that next one built. But God gave us a bridge. He said, I'm going to give you space. Let those kids keep coming. Amen. Let our families bring their boys and girls. Let our youth ministry. You know, our students are packed in that building right now. We need to kick some doors in and give them some room over here. And it's happening. So that's included. So what God has done, how does he do it? Stay with me. Let's look at this scripture. I, I'm, I'm going to conclude this in a minute, and, and you're going to be glad you got to hear it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse number 6 with me. So how do we do it, Pastor? We're just common people. You know, how does that happen? How do we see these things take place? How do we do it? And, and, and what are you asking us to do? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 6. You know, really, what am I asking us to do? Listen to God and do what he says. Is that fair enough? That's how, that's how we do it. I'm encouraging you, dare to ask God. You want to use me? Dare to ask God, what could you do in my life? Dare to ask God, could I make a difference? So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 9. Let's look at verse number 10. So how do we do this? How does God work through this church so mightily? And listen to me very clearly. It's not just about the money. It's about the ministry. In other words, we're not just writing checks. We're doing the ministry. You understand what I'm saying? We're the hands and feet. We're going out doing this. This isn't write a check, somebody else do it. Oh, no. This is common, ordinary people, you and I. This is funding us to do what God calls us to do. 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now, he, God, I've taught you this, who supplies seed to the sower. So who puts in our hands the finances to do kingdom builders? God. The point is recognizing that. Pastor Josh said it in the offering teaching today. It's my field, but all of it doesn't belong to me. Did you get that? He said, leave the edges and the corners. Although you planted it, it's not all yours. And so here's what he says. God supplies seed to the sower. You and I are the sowers. I love this relationship with God. I love the fact that God provides and we get to dispense this stuff for his name. So now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he's going to feed you while you're sowing. Watch this. We'll also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. When God finds someone that he can trust with sharing, he gives them more to share. All right? So let's keep reading. This next verse says, verse 11, I believe this behind me is going to say enriched, same thing. You will be made rich in every way. Your life is blessed. It's not just a financial transaction. He said, I'm going to bless you. Why? In every, in every way. Say every way. Someone say every way. In your marriage, with your children, in your work, in your school, in your relationship, in your walk with God. In every way, when I recognize this partnership with God, blessing comes on my life. 
And why does he do that? Watch this. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And what happens? Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's what happens. God gets glorified because we recognize we're in partnership with him. Lord, how do you want to use me? What do you want to do? Let me give you three words to pray over these next couple of weeks. And I believe this is going to help you know what God wants you to do. The first word is plan. You just make a plan. A lot of times people ask me, Pastor, how do you give to Kingdom Builder? You start with a plan. If you're going to make a purchase, you'd make a plan. Can I afford this? How much does it cost? How do I do this? How do I put it in? Maybe I get a little side job to bring some more income in. You make a plan. Your plan's based on what you can do. What can I do? It's a plan. Maybe that's where you need to start. But the next word is vision. This is where things get exciting. This is where we begin to grow. Because plan, my plan is what I can do. But vision is what can God do through me. You see that different level then? You begin to pray, okay, God, I know what I can do, but what do you want me to do? This is where the testimonies begin to come. And where people say, Pastor, I began to pray over a couple of weeks. And, you know, God began to touch my heart and say, you can do this, but together we can do that. I can flow through you. I can make provision. So plan is what I can do. Provision. Vision. Plan is what I can do. Vision is what God can do. We begin to pray. God, talk to me. Speak to me. Work to me. God, how do you want to use me? Begins to be so exciting. And you see God provide. The last word is dream. Now, dream is where I love to live. But you can't tell anybody your dream because it's so big it scares them. So dream is just what you and God do by yourself. You understand? Every once in a while, I'll share some of my dreams with you guys, but some of them are so big, I don't want to scare you, okay? But dream, what do you mean dream, Pastor? Dream's like, what if? What if? What if I could write the biggest check I've ever written? What if I could underwrite and build a whole other dream center? You, you see what begins to happen? You dream, you plan, you vision, you dream. What, what if you begin to say, well, Pastor, if we had this, we could do that. If, if God could use me to do this, we could do this much more. So you see what I'm saying? That's the dream. What's the dream? Just let God. You know, we live in such a small space, don't we? We live in such a lax space, don't we? We talk more about what? What? Inflation and lack than goodness and bigness and greatness and God. So I want you to take a little time to start with your plan and then work your way God, what, what, what would the vision be? What would you do? We've lived, this church is here because of that step. And then finally, you and God just dream a little. And that's how God makes it happen. Well, let me, let me show you this. I want to bring you here to this, this point because I want us to, to, to get this. Plan, vision, dream. But let me show you something here. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to show you a scripture in a moment you may not have read or you may not have really done a little work on. So that's how we do it. But I need to talk to you for the last few minutes about why. Why? You know, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, I I don't know if I can do anything more. I'm financially strapped. I get that. Pastor, I don't know how I can do this. I need some help. I understand that. I, I understand that. And so you say, why? Then why do we do this? Why do we take this on? Why do we have two dream centers? Why do we support missionaries? Why do we send the gospel to people that, that we don't know why, Pastor? Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, because God has asked us to. Because that's the plan of God. But I want, to, I want you to see something here today. Pastor, why? Why, why, why do we do these things? And, and, and what are you asking us to do? Well, th- this is one I want you to think for a moment with me. Can, can you see the chaos and the confusion that's in our world today? Do you ever see that and think about it? Do you look at it and go, how did we get here? 
Come on, has it ever been a conversation? Have you ever spent some time, you, you see something, you say, can you believe they just did that? Can you believe they just said that? Can you believe this is what's happening? Have you looked at our, our, our nation, our cities, our, our, our people, our schools, our government, and say, how did we get here? What in the world is going on? When you look at our entertainment, you look at, at, at our influences, you look at, at, at what we're inundated with, have you ever said, where did this chaos come from? Where did this confusion come from? Well, I can promise you this. The Bible says confusion is not from God. And so I want you to try to step back from a minute and understand why we're doing what we're doing. I'm going to tell you, I want to make a statement. I believe hell has gone public in America today. I believe hell has gone public. I believe where the devil used to hide under the seams and slip around, are you with me, and do what he does. I believe he's gone public now. I believe he's reached a place where he just doesn't care, where it's just in your face. And, 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 and we're dealing with that. Uh, it's, to me, it's, it's like this uh, uh, last lap of the race. It's gotten desperate. It's just rushing at this thing. It's kind of like in the football world. It's two minutes left and the score's tied. And you're doing anything to get there. I sense hell is literally throwing everything it has at this world we're living in right now. And that's why God put us here at this moment. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where there is weakness, his strength is made perfect. But I feel like the devil has grown so desperate. I want to show you something. That he's become reckless. He's become reckless. He just sees what he thinks is the end. He sees what he thinks he's going to do. He knows someday Jesus is coming back. He knows he's going to be bound and cast into hell forever. And he is running hard to fill hell up right now. He's gotten reckless with this. But look at 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 8. He did it once and he didn't learn anything. 1 Corinthians 2.8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Did you just get that? I'm going to read it one more time. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan was so intent on getting rid of Jesus. He was so intimidated by what Jesus was doing. He was so being run over by the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the power of Jesus that all he could think of in the short term, I've got to kill him. I've got to get rid of him. I've got to get him off this planet. I've got to get him out of my face. And so he did whatever he could, used whomever he could, found a Judas, found a religious system, and crucified Jesus. But the Bible said, had he known, he would have never touched him. Had he known what would happen, he thought the cross was the end and the cross was the beginning. He thought when they laid him in the tomb, it was all over. But three days later, it was not all over. Do you understand that? The devil became reckless in his hate for Jesus and crucified him. And it reminds me again of where we are today. When I see the onslaught against our little children, when I see what our students are facing in their life, when I look at the identity confusion, when I look at the pain and the 
fentanyl epidemic and, and the overdoses. They're running out of medicine. The overdose response medicine. So many young people overdosing. I look at the cities of this nation that were beautiful places and they're strewn with homeless, dying drug addicts. The epidemics that were launched on us. I'm going to tell you the devil is throwing everything he's got. But I want to tell you something today. God's not out of resources. God is not out of what he's going to do. You see, I'm reminded of a message I preached to you about five and a half years ago. It was based off a painting. I want to show you this painting. You're going to remember it when you see it. This painting here is called Checkmate. This figure represents Satan. This painting set in the greatest art galleries of the world. And you see this defeated young man playing the chess master. He's checkmate. It's over. And this painting hung in some of the great uh, art uh, galleries of the world. And one day, a chess master was studying the board there. Instead of just looking at the big picture, he began to focus on the board. And he turned to someone and he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The king has one more move. The king has one more move. This guy's got him. This guy thinks it's over, but the king has one more move. And this is what I want to call kingdom builders this year. Kingdom builders, the king has one more move. Because this is what I thought about. I thought about walking on that dusty, uh, forlorn little piece of ground in the Dominican Republic. And it was a squalid neighborhood with sewer running in the ditches and hopeless people and children not being able to go to school. And the devil thought he had checkmated that neighborhood in the Dominican Republic. But I'm going to tell you something right now. A four-story school is rising up for the glory of God. And I want to say to the devil in the Dominican Republic, you thought you had that neighborhood. But because of kingdom builders, God has one more move. Come on, let's thank God for that. Oh, I, I, I see the devil. He thinks he's going to addict and poison and overdose a generation, but God's raised up dream centers, and I want to tell you, devil, you thought you had them checkmate, but the king has one more move. God is going to make it happen. I think about this, our, our Project Rescue, the sex trafficking ministry we're helping. They shared with me just this week. It broke my heart. They said, we've encountered a family in the red light district in, in, in this major city in the world. And, and now it is the third generation in this red light district. The mother was trafficked. She had a daughter and she was trafficked, began trafficking her at the age of eight. She's a young teenager and has a baby, and the baby is born to the sex traffickers in that red light district. Three generations. But I have some good news for you. They were rescued out of that by the power of the gospel, and they are living in a place they've never seen before. The king has one more move. And you know what amazes me? When the king gets ready to take a one more move where the devil thought he had it, the resource in his hand. When he has one more move, is kingdom builders. That's what's in his hand. That's what he takes, and that's what he moves. It's, it's, it's literally amazing. You, we, we, we go to places, the war in the Ukraine, 
It looks like Russia's come in and devastated this country, and there's no hope. But Convoy of Hope, our partners, they're feeding, helping, encouraging, moving. We know what the Bible says, says in the last days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes and famines. There'll be, there'll be storms, and, and we see it happening. But isn't it interesting where the devil's trying to wipe us off the planet, God has his people right in there saying, there's one more move. God has one more move. You know who's feeding people first on this planet today? You know who's feeding the hungry? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the first people are on these scenes when there's catastrophes. It's not these organizations you see raising money on television. It is those people that are being put there by the hand of God and men and women like you and me because the king always has one more move. The devil's a liar, and God's people are going to win. It goes again and again and again and again. We are up against the wall. How are we going to? We, 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 this building gets more and more expensive, but believing God, God's going to help us do it. Amen? God's going to help us do it. We're going to get this next generation up. But we needed a little connection, a bridge. And so God created this opportunity back here, and we're going to do something for God. The king always had one more move. And what about your life today? That's what I'd like to ask. You know, maybe you're sitting here today. And you think, my kids are never going to get saved. These prodigal sons and daughters are out there too far. My marriage has gone too far. My finances are, are too short. There's nothing I can do. Pastor, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going, I don't know how I'm going to make it. But I'm going to tell you something. When the devil thinks he has checkmate on you, when you think you're backed into a corner and there's absolutely no way out, the king always has one more move. The king always has one more opportunity to step in. If he can walk into a dusty neighborhood in the Dominican Republic and build a four-story school, he can walk into your home right now and do something and turn you around. If he can save a drug addict and restore them back to their health and life and their families celebrate the goodness of God, your children can be saved and set free and released from addiction. Your family can change. Your life can change. You know, sometimes we think we get too old. and You say, God, you can't use me. The king's always got one more move, Grandma. King's always got one more move, Grandpa. You might say, I'm way too young. Well, the Bible says, don't let anybody despise your youth because the king has one more move. Maybe guilt and shame has been all over you and you thought, you know, I've gone too far. God can't use me. I missed my opportunity. The devil always talks about what you missed and God always sets you up for what's going to happen next in your life. That's the goodness of God. Calvary, I just believe that God's reminded us that kingdom builders means the king has one more move. But this is what I love about that is that we are the peace that's in his hand when he makes the move that takes it right out of the devil's hand and turns it around. I want you to stand with me, everybody. Let's stand together. I want the worship team to join me. The king has one more move. The king has one more move. Mom, I want to tell you the king has one more move. Sir, I want to tell you the king has one more move in your house, in your home, in your family. I really sense, come on, stay with me here, that there are people standing in this room and people on our live stream right now. And you've been, this was, I sense this as I prayed. The Holy Spirit just pressed on my heart. There are people, you're one step away from giving up. You're one step away from letting go. You've been praying. Listen to me, I want you to get this. You've been praying a long time. You've been holding on. A long time, and you've gotten a little weary. It's okay. It's okay. God understands that. And today, we're going to be reminded the king has one more move. God's not done yet. God's not through. I think the devil thinks he has America. 
but I'm not willing to surrender it yet. What about you? I think the devil thinks, am I, me and 10 people believe that? I, I don't think God's given up on this nation. Anybody in agreement with me? I believe God can do it. I believe God can do it. I believe God's going to do it. I don't even believe he can. I believe he will. I believe he's going to. And here's my statement of faith. I want to be part of it. I don't care what part. I want to be part of it because I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. I believe God wants to restore what we thought the devil stole. We sang this first song today. God returns everything the enemy stole out of your hands. God returns it. Do you believe that? I want us to stop believing. I'm just going to make it. I want you to believe God's going to restore what the enemy took away from me. I believe that God's going to do greater things than I've seen him do before. I believe that the king, the king of kings, has one more move, and he's going to resurrect some things in our life. If you'll let him do it, listen, here's, here's the thing I want you to see. If you'll let God move in your life, you'll believe he can move in other people's lives. See that? If you'll believe that, you say, God, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable again. I'm going to trust you again. I'm going to hold on to this thing. I've been praying, and that's what I sense. Come ahead, God. I've been praying, and I, I just want you right now to know that, God, I'm going to trust you again. I'm going to believe you again. I'm going to say to you, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust has he been faithful? Can I ask anybody? Have you seen the faithfulness of God? Anyone here seen the faithfulness of God? Anybody had a prayer answered sometime in your life? Yeah. Anybody ever had to wait on one to be answered? The waiting's hard, isn't it? But the king has one more move. The king has one more move. In fact, I want to I hear you say that. I want to hear you say that over your life today. You ready? Let's count to three. Let's say it in the devil's face. Let's say it in the face of everything we're facing. Right on the count to three. Let's say it together. One, two, three. The king has one more move. Oh, that was good. Can you do it just one more time? Come on, you ready? One, two, three. The king has one more move. He's got one more move. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. The king has one more move. I want to be in the middle of that move. What about you? Pray with me right now. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray together right now. Father, I believe you want to touch groups of people in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I sense that you're moving and just and giving hope and faith and restoring again today, God. Restoring, restoring, believing, God. They thought it was over. The devil's pounded. He's lied. He's shoved. He's pushed, God. But today, the king has one more move. God, today we realize it's not over to you say it's over. It's not over. The devil should have left some people alone. He should have left them alone because now we're going to have a testimony. We're going to have a story. We're going to have something to tell about what God did in our life when it looked like all was lost. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.